If you would, open up to Acts chapter 27. Before we just jump in here, I'll give a little bit about me. I know Brother uh, Joe asked. I don't know if that was for more online or for you. For those of you who don't know me like, uh, like he shared, I've been a long time around Kellyville. Graduated in 04, went off and uh, charted my college at the University of Tulsa. Quickly got uh, switched to TCC. Later led to the University of Oklahoma, where I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Geography, a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics, and a minor in Meteorology. And all the while, even when I was in school, they said, what do you want to do? I want to preach, and I want to chase storms. <laughs> now, I got the glasses. I got the beard. I'm not Brother Ben. I definitely don't have the accent. I don't have a full-time church, and chasing storms just doesn't pay very much money, right? So upon graduating from the University of Oklahoma, I began a sales job with Ferguson Enterprise where I sell toilets. Yippee, <laughs> right? Sometimes, as we'll see once we get in here, our direction that we have in life is much different from what God has for our life, okay? And it definitely is different. It's, it's glad to be I'm glad to be back in, in Kellyville. I really am. I met Brother Everett about a year ago through the Gideons, because I'm a Gideon as well, and Everett said to me, he said, I've been, I've been at Pretty Water Free Will Baptist Church for three years. It's the first time I'm seeing you. You've been ordained for eight. Like, do you just not work close to home? Ironically enough, once I got ordained, I got called to do some interim in Broken Arrow. I've been called to do some interim in Cleveland. I've spent the last three weeks preaching in Cleveland. They're without a pastor right now, be in prayer with them. But God's direction, the doors have been outside of the radius from home. So good to be back at home. Be back at home. I know many of you, and I know I'm going to make this challenge like I did last week from Cleveland. If you're following along on Facebook, poke the comment button. Put somebody's name in there you like, you don't like. They need to hear the word regardless. So I challenge you in, in Facebook virtual world, do that. Share this message so that they hear the word of God. Okay. I, you'll hear, you're, you'll hear me say this the more and more you're around me. I'm going to preach one of my favorite stories. Every story is great when it's from the word and it gives you direction or it should be. Okay. But Paul, Paul is one of my favorite people. Pre-Christ before Paul knew who Christ was, Saul was heavily, heavily, heavily educated. He knew the law. He could speak many languages. He knew geography. He knew uh, religion. He knew the people. And he had charted his path to stardom, so you speak, or fandom, or wherever he wanted to go, he would have been there. He could have been the right-hand man to Caesar had he stayed on his path. He was among one of the strongest sects of, of, of religion, of the time, of study, of education. Paul knew, Saul knew his stuff. But on the road to Damascus, where he had a letter to kill Christians, God got his attention. God struck him at Damascus, blinded him for three days, and sent him in a different direction. One that Paul would tell you changed his life forever. And when we get in and we read books that Paul wrote, passages they oftentimes start with, Greetings, my brothers. Paul, a servant of the Lord. To have a heart of a servant attitude is tough. 
we oftentimes don't want to give up our own desires, our own fleshly wants to follow the things that are really more important, which are God's. And in Acts chapter 27, what we see to build a little bit of context is in chapter 26, Paul has been caught up in some stuff of, of um, legal order, so to speak. And he is talking to Festus and Agrippa, and he is basically petitioning them to go to Caesar. He wants to go to Rome. God has called him to go to Rome. God has said, Paul, you have work to do in Rome. I'm not the traditional pastor that's going to have just a great, pretty four-point outline. I gave them to Brother Joe. He said, we don't do that. And I said, great, that's okay. But if you're following along point one, if you want to do that, my first point, my question I have, so to speak, is where does God have you setting self? Where does God have you going? Where has he called you in your life? Because for Paul, he said, listen, you have a very specific message, a calling. Go get the Gentiles. He also says, I want you to, as you go, you're heading to Rome. Now, here's what I love about this. If you'll go to the next slide, I believe it's the map. This is history. A lot of times you go to college, you go into the world, and they want to say, yeah, but how do you believe that stuff? How do you believe the word? Listen, when you get into the New Testament, and, and you see it too in the Old Testament, listen, the names as we start chapter 27, that is where Paul went. That is still there today. Very present. You can pull up in the history book and you can see we're not talking about fictitious places. He has to go to Rome. The capital of the known world then. Listen, Paul had a very, very stout task. But he knew he had the resources to get there, which was God. And he could have got there on his own, but his course changed, right? And in the book of 27, in the book of Acts chapter 27, we're going to see that. I talk fast. Don't throw anything at me, right? We got a lot to cover, but I'll try to slow down. That's If my wife were here, she would say, she's not here, neither is my family, because quarantine precautions. We covet your prayers. We're all... All of our cases were negative, right? But we've been in close contact, contact tracing, right? We've got to stay home, right? I want to challenge you. When, if, how we open back up, liberties will be different. They, I'm not going to get politicized here on the pulpit, but they have already seen how easy it is to mask us, to keep us home, to say don't go places. And let me tell you, we have to be strong enough, like Paul, we will see, to continue charting the course that God has for us. Join me in the Word. Verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sell into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus, van. And entering into a ship of Adramatium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, 
one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. Interestingly enough, as we have seen Paul in the earlier chapter, he wants to go to Rome. They've literally said, we really, he would have had liberty, but he appealed to Caesar. So we have to grant him that. Again, Saul knew the law, Paul knew the law, Paul wanted to go. So listen, God's got him going to Rome and he's going to use the basically money and resources from them to get him there. He's on a prisoner ship. So sometimes, as I've got in my notes, sometimes where we go, we'll have some friends with us. And that's who we just said, that long name that I probably butchered. We have a friend with us. And we have that enjoyment with that brother or sister to keep us encouraged. But he also is having to ride a prisonership. Now, this centurion's given him the opportunity as he goes from the African coast all the way up and around. That map didn't show it all, but he kind of goes up around following the coast. Now, what we don't know until we get into it is we're getting into the time of the year where storms are approaching, hurricanes, nor'easters. So they, they're staying just close enough to shore. So if they have to make an emergency dock, they can't. Okay? So, but he's happy because he can stop in here and he can go see some other brothers and sisters. Understand, after Paul was changed on the road to Damascus, everywhere Paul went, every opportunity Paul had was to share the gospel. I preached last week about Paul was actually a tent maker. And when he talked about running the race, per se, we can take that back to history from one of the earliest Olympics in Corinth, where it says in the book of Acts that he just decided to make tents. He used a trait that he had learned early in life to get with people that he knew would be there that were lost. Because in that time, they thought of the Olympics as a pagan thing. The Jews would not have went because these, these athletes, they would have performed naked. It was a feat because they were trying to be the guy. They wanted to appeal to get that crown, right, of victory. So Paul's speaking to them because he knows how to grab them. But Paul says, you know what, I have an opportunity to go there and make tents, sell tents, and share the word. Same thing here. Even though he's on a prisoner ship, every step, every way, he is a changed man, and he is sharing the gospel every opportunity he gets. You know what Paul and his mission is? Before we get too deep in this, where is God calling you? Where is God telling you to go? Because where you're going to go, you have an opportunity. Don't, don't miss the forest, right, for the journey through it. You have an opportunity to preach his word and leave his nuggets everywhere you go. Right? I had a goal in high school. I wanted to be valedictorian. I made that goal early on, kindergarten. Eighth grade, I wrote a speech. I was determined to be valedictorian, and then I caught something in college. Somebody said, what now? What now? You hit your goal. Good job. But now what? You're 18 years old. I don't know. Sometimes we get so focused on the goal, right, that we, we miss the lessons learned and picked up along the way. We're, we're so focused on our path. We miss the opportunity to bless those that God has called onto our path. And Paul here is showing us an example not to do that. Verse 4, And when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea to Cilicia and Pamphylia, 
we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us on therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmone, and hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Now listen, Paul is okay. Paul already knows God sending him to Rome. But Paul's now throwing up a red flag and saying, listen, I don't want to overset my boundaries here, but guys, this is going to be bad. Pump the brakes. Like, we got to stop. One ship didn't work. They got to one port city. They got on another ship. See, the centurions focus on one thing. His goal was to get these prisoners and Paul to Rome. That was his goal. Listen, if he does his goal, check the box, he's done. Paul's goal was different. And Paul's trying to tell him, listen, we got to do it a certain way, even though we have a job to do. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which was spoken by Paul. In my notes, I've got written down. Listen, our faith has to remain strong. Stronger to the point of what the world is going to tell us opposite. Because if our faith does not remain rooted and strong, we will be like those warning signs that get tossed to and fro. And what Paul is trying to say is these things are out of his control even, right? Because Paul's not the owner of the ship. Paul's not the centurion there to take care of the prisoners. Paul's just a, a passenger. And he's saying, guys, listen, pump the brakes. I think we need to do some things. And the centurion says, nah. We're going to keep on. The owner says we can go, so we're going to go. And we see in verse 12, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix, and there to winter to talk, which is the haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close to Crete. We go back to that picture. Listen, they're now off the coastline. They are now just somewhere out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. This isn't the day of GPS or even sonar imaging, right? They can't go to the fancy technology that even we have today. They have to go and say, here we go. We're in, right? But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Euroclidon or a nor'easter. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Listen, sometimes it's tough for a pastor to reach and pull things out of left field. But I go to this scripture and I say, we let her drive. Paul, a passenger the centurion, the guard, the owner of the ship, eventually it does not matter. In the storms of this world, we have to just step back and let it go. 
And so much, so often, we get into this trying to grab it and try to control it that we lose focus of the goal. And here we are in the middle of the sea, and we are just at the Lord's mercy. And running under a certain island, which was also called Clouda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing the least they should fall into the quicksands, struck sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out our own hands and tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now Paul's the author here. Paul is telling the story. I don't hear this as Paul lost hope because Paul knew he was going to make it. But when we get to a point, when we back up and let it drive, let the Lord take control, we get to the low. And when we get to the bottom and we can just say, you know what? I can't do anything. All hope's gone. When we get to the point as individuals and in our walk and our faith, those without that salvation or those with that salvation, we still get to here, right? We're tested. We should be tested. We know that's a maturing of our faith. We know that's a, a proclamation that God loves his children when he punishes them and he tests them, right? We should want that as Christians, but that's a double-edged sword because with that, it's painful. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bother us to go through those tests. But when we finally get to the point where it's like, all right, God, all I can do is lean on you. It changes the shift of our focus where now we have got out of the way and we're truly going to let God take it. And I tell you, I've got written in my, in my notes, and we'll see it in verse 25. We'll skip just a little bit. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. See, even though God had came to Paul and said, listen, hey, if you do things a certain way, I'm going to get you there and I'm going to get everyone else there safe, right? And then Paul's like, listen, we shouldn't do that. And they said, well, we're going to do it anyway. Paul remained faithful. And here Paul is in verse 25 telling the other passengers, telling the other prisoners, guys, be of good cheer. Because you know what? I believe in God and God's got me. There's an old saying in ministry, right? He says, I'll stay close to God. You stay close to me as I mentor you. And then as a byproduct, you'll stay close to God also. That's what Paul's trying to say here. His Christian faith is so strong with these prisoners that may or may not know God, may or may not have had that established relationship yet, that he's saying, guys, why are you saying all hope is lost? Did I not tell you God's going to get us there? Be of good cheer. I believe God. And I'm not going to deter from that. I'm not going to change from that. That's what I believe. That's what you should believe. But, but regardless of that, we'll get there later. I believe in God and God's going to provide for us. Guys, if our Christian faith doesn't look like that, 
through tests, why in the world would the lost world want to look at us to say, I want to be like that? If we're not encouraging brothers and sisters to be even better, if we're not encouraging brothers and sisters to get even closer to God, why would the lost world want anything to do with what we call our lifestyle? And that's scary. Because today, again, not over-politicize the pulpit. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm a vessel for God to get into the Word. And what, what God has put on my heart today to tell this morning is we've got to be so focused, willing to let it go and let Him lead our lives and direct our lives. And when we go through those storms, find courage because you believe in God that He is going to see you through. Now, see you through is different for everybody. We don't have the opportunities to look past and see our future unless he gives it to us, right? So we don't know what the end looks like. And I get that. And it can be a little tough as we walk blindly. Faith. Right? But the important thing here is if we're going to live Christ-like and we're going to get to where God is calling us to, and we're going to fulfill the purpose God has called for us, we have to find good cheer in every opportunity. And we have to believe in God and His provisions to get us there. As we go on, verse 26, Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near of some country and sounded and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it to be 15 fathoms. I'm not a sailor or a boater. We don't have an ocean here. But what I know from that is as they were doing their test, they're getting closer and closer to shore. And if they don't slow down this mighty big ship, they're about to have a big crash, Right? So they continue to throw stuff off to make the load lighter. They're continuing to say, okay, where are we at? They're trying to do everything they can still within their control of this ship. At this point, they know they're going to shipwreck. Paul's telling them that. Listen, we're going to survive, but we're, we are going to go through a shipwreck. Okay? And then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat onto the sea under color as they, they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except those who abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Now watch this change, right? Paul's coming to them again and saying, listen, if you want to be saved, if you want to survive this upcoming shipwreck, you do not get on those safety boats. That's not what God said. You do not let down the anchors. You do not control this situation. God controls this situation. You better stay on the board of the ship. And we're going to all be together in this or you will perish. Ye cannot be saved. That's what he's saying. So let's listen to see how strong Paul's faith was now to what the centurion does. Then the soldiers cut the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. 
Paul's told them what they're to do now, and he, they listened. Paul's saying, we've been so scared, so frightened for 14 days, right? We've been limiting ourselves because we just listen. What, what else can we do? And Paul's now saying, eat. Get your strength because we're going to need it, right? And I love verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Even in the storm, even before the victorious outcome, even before he knew how that was going to result, he is thanking God. He is saying, listen, we've done what we can do to control this ship as we're going back and forth in the Mediterranean Sea. We've bounced here and there and we've, we've lightened the load and now we're listening to you. We've cut the anchors. We're allowing you to take us to our destiny because we believe we're still going to be safe from it in this. But we, we may need to swim. We may need to trek a little bit. It's going to take some energy. So now we fast on our rations that we had. We eat, we become strong, and we're going to give God thanks. Paul is telling these prisoners, you don't know what's going to come up for you in a couple of months when you hit Rome. Many of you are probably bound to perish. But let me give you an example of what Christian steward, stewardess is. Let me show you an example of a heart that desires God the giver of life eternally. And despite the storms, despite where you're headed, how you're going to get there, what you've got to overcome to get there, we're going to give him thanks. And I do believe that if we had more elaboration on this, we would see Paul, I mean, one of the most spectacular prayers that we've ever seen in our life. Because Paul is saying, Days, weeks, maybe months along this journey. You said I was going to get to Rome. You didn't say that I was going to go through storms. You didn't say I was going to have to crash. You didn't say I was going to have to be separated from these people for this amount of time. You didn't prepare me, God, for all of these things, but that's okay. Thank you for testing me, your child. Thank you for allowing me to be here to give my Christian example to these prisoners that may or may not know you. Thank you, God, for allowing me this last meal before I take off into a physical feat of I don't know what. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for providing. Thank you, God, for your provisions, your resources, your truth. Our attitude, our trials as Christians must possess this attitude. Do we truly give thanks knowing God is our refuge? Do we truly give thanks without knowing what we're going to have to go through? Can we do that? That's point three. See, I didn't even give you point two. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. But the important thing is, how long will storms last? We don't know. What will storms feel like? We don't know. I told you I love chasing storms. I remember the Joplin tornado. I was with Dow Archer. 
we're heading up 44. We'd come up into Kansas. We was at Baxter Springs. And I was getting 70 mile an hour inflow winds. Could barely stand still to take a picture, right? And then I would get 70 mile an hour outflow winds, right? And 70 mile an hour inflow winds. And we just back and forth, back and forth. And one of the things I've told family members and I've told friends, the reason I love storms is because I can't do anything. If that storm is going to tornado, if it's not going to tornado, if it's going to hell, if it's not going to hell, if it's going to rain, if it's not going to rain. Listen, we've been out on storms that were like going to be the worst storms in the history of life. And we've driven thousands of miles and then blue sky bust. But this day, right in Joplin, we couldn't get back on the path. Right. So we stopped off in the, in the tri-state area and we, we filled up with gas, knowing that it's probably going to get hairy once we get there. And then we got stopped. The tornado had already gone ahead of us. It had flipped semis, and we couldn't get past 44. Now, Dow's sister was with us. I don't know that Dow's sister has been on another chase after that one because she had friends die in that tornado, that storm. Sometimes we don't know what a storm is going to look like in our life. We don't know how long that storm is going to last. All we should know as Christians is where our help comes, how our help comes, and that's it. We don't even get to know when our help comes because God's timing is perfect. And if we give to that, as Paul was trying to tell them, then we'll just accept it as it comes. And then when we look back on a storm, we can say, man, that was tough, but I made it through. When we're able to look back on a storm, we can say, look how God brought me through this storm. And that's another testimony to the world and to the society that we live in when they're trying to say, why do you believe this? Oh, but let me take you back. Yeah, but is this stuff really true? Oh, man, won't you give it a try? I mean, really give it a try. Really give him thanks. Really seek him out. Really study his word. And you tell me. You tell me. And Paul is given this example. Now, my last point, my last point gets into, we're going to skip a little bit this time. Chapter 28. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Malita. We know it as Malta. Okay? I've got in my notes, only after running aground, only after going through some storms, did they discover they were in Malta. When we started this message, I told you, I had my path. God has his path. Never would I told you a graduating ceremony at 2004. Guys, hit me back up in 15 years. I'm going to be selling toilets. But it's been a great job. I've been able to meet a lot of people. I've been able to, to, to share my faith with customers. I've been able to go to customers and say, can I pray for you and build relationships that no business book will tell you would even be possible. Because living a life of Christ looks different than just reading about it. 
living a life for Christ saying, I'm here today, this Tuesday. What do you have for me? And then this phone call comes in and you just feel something different. Or if you're a traveling salesman or your job has you out and about, this person comes up and you can read their body language and you're like, do I need to pray for you? What are you going through? How can I help you today? Because it doesn't matter what you do as a profession. If you are a child of God, you are called. If you are a child of God, your example should be Christ-like. And furthermore, a lot more study, another point other than this. If you're a child of God and you're seeking after God's will, you should smell the stench of lost just as you should smell the sweetness of salvation. And if you don't have that yet in your walk, you're not there yet and that's okay. It's a maturation process. But your desire should be to capture and save every lost because if God's not here, God is within you and that's your job. Where is it going to be? What's it going to look like? So we went through some rough time. Paul's went shipwreck, right? He's on a journey to Rome, right? He knows where God's called him. And now we're safe. Thank you, God. We're on Malta. In verse 2 of chapter 28, And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. A month ago, we was at a breakfast and I said, oh, this is my favorite part about Paul, right? Paul's just went through shipwreck and Paul's now saying, okay, they're welcoming here on Malta. It's been a crazy month and hey, they're welcoming us here. They're building us a fire. It's cold, it's rainy, and I'm going to help, right? If you don't have an attitude to get your hands dirty, and get out and work right down here when we get finished, right? Because God God wants you to get out and do some stuff, right? And here Paul is. He's like, I'm going to join in. I'm going to give that example of working. And he gets bit by a viper. And let's see what his attitude is. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hung on his hand, they said, murderer, whom thou he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffer not to live. All the world looked to him and said, man, he survived that, but he ain't going to survive that. That dude, we know that dude. He lives on our island. That is a venomous viper. And listen, vengeance is going to be, he was meant to die. And here he's about to die. And yet he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. You know, Paul at this point is like the matrix. I got God. Paul, his mental state right now is like, I'm not going to let anything stop me. Bring it. Almost to a cockiness level that challenges us, our Christian faith today. He knows he's led the example through the shipwreck. He knows he told him that he wouldn't have had a shipwreck, but since we got here, we'll survive if you listen to me because God has told me I'm going to Rome. That's where I'm setting sail for, and that's where I'm going to go. So nothing is going to stop me. 
if you don't have that in your life, you got to ask him. You got to seek him. Every day I wake up, I don't know what my Rome is. I don't. This morning in the Gideon breakfast, 93-year-old brother, I think he's 93, 92, he's 90. Lord has blessed him beyond. I mean, he, he's an amazing brother, a Gideon brother, right? And he told me, he said, <clears throat> I don't know each day what it will bring. I may not even know where I came from, but I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Paul knows where he's going. And he's not going to let anything stand in his way. So he's ran the ground. He's in Malta. He gets bit by this viper. Let's see again the people. Six, howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he, that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. Were also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they loaded us with such things as were necessary. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandra, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor of Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. I'm getting there. And from thence, we fetched a compass and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Puteola, where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. We've got to unpack a lot there as we finish up and we wrap up. Paul knows he's got to go to Rome. Paul knows God has called him to Rome. Paul knows he has a ship of prisoners and a few friends that he's met along the way, and we're going to Rome. But that did not stop Paul from being used by God in his Christian faith, to lay hands and find somebody in a rough time and to pray with them. That did not stop Paul from going and healing the sick. That did not stop Paul from going in with people who had diseases and saying, my God's bigger and my God can heal you. And if I'm here, I might as well do what God has called me to do and be here in this moment, just as Esther in the Old Testament, for a time such as this to heal and to show you the power of God. God didn't say you were going to Rome and you'll be there January 15th. God didn't tell Paul it's going to take you seven months, four days, three hours, and 27 minutes. God just says, Paul, get on a boat and go to Rome. When God is calling you to a place, regardless if we know it or we don't, Right. If we're living for God, every step of the way, every dock, every airplane, every place we we log in on Facebook or social media. Is an opportunity. To show the love and provision Jesus Christ has for us. 
And it didn't say also that Paul got there and even though they gave him some stuff for the next leg of the journey, it didn't just say Paul showed up and Paul had a red carpet rolled out to him and, and Paul was a, a Christian guy, so Paul's going to have it easy here for a little while. Paul had to walk. He had to work. He had to, to seek out. And, and that work hurt his hands. And that, that, that work hurt his feet as he went. But you know what? He still went. His attitude was such that he went. And I ended on verse 14. And verse 14 said, Where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. I challenge you also, everywhere you go, find brethren and sisters in Christ. Because we get wore out. When the journey is tough and we went through shipwrecks, and we've went through other hard times in life, we need to be able to lean on them to pick us up, to pray for us, to encourage us, right? To come back to the place where we can be filled with a resurgence and a new breath from God. And in my notes, I said, we have got to get away from our time our lead, and allow it to be God's time and God's lead. In a review last week, my, my manager asked me, he said, well, what do you want to do? No clue. He said, what's your calling? I said, whoa, watch out. You use that word. You may not like my answer. My calling is much more than my job. My calling is God's lead on my life. If you don't have your calling today, I challenge you to seek it out and to find it. Because once you start the journey knowing your calling, you can begin to be like Paul in matrix mode. I'm not bragging, right? I'm merely showing this as an example of how great God is. Beginning of, or the end of August, I knew I was going to be preaching three weeks in Cleveland. Then I was going to finish up the month here. After the second week, I passed a kidney stone on Wednesday. I still went there and preached. I preached about finding great joy and opportunities and tests because that means God loves us. And you know what? I told him, I said, if I get fired from my job, then I'll find a new job. I show up Monday and the computer hard drive crashed. And then Wednesday, my son gets sent home. So now we turn into virtual learning at home and working here. And God, you're in charge of this. God, you called me to it. You're going to give me the strength. You're going to strengthen and renew me. You're going to give me everything I need. You're going to put the message on my heart that they need to hear. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to set sail this morning, knowing that there's going to be hard times along the way, knowing that we don't know when and where and how we'll get there, but we'll get there because of your provision. It's pretty accustomed in churches that about this time, there's at least a song that plays. While the musicians get in place, I challenge you. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up. You're halfway there. If you have work you need to do with God,
to find your calling, to find your purpose, to find the direction He has on your calling, your heading, here's the place to do it. I'm merely a man on a vessel. You have people in this church that they'll come down and they'll, they'll work with you. They'll pray with you. They'll do life with you. That's what Christian brotherhood is all about. And I challenge you today. Book the cruise. Let God guide you. And when you get to your destination, praise God that the victory is going to be yours and the testimony you'll have because you got there. Allow God to work in your heart this morning. Right? As it said, sometimes we tarry a few days. Sometimes it's quick and we got to do it right now. Whatever that is in your life, let it work. Enjoy this music. Join me as we pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you so much. Lord, as we use this time to approach your throne of grace, Lord, I pray that we come boldly to it. Lord, asking for the resources, asking for everything we need to fulfill the calling and purpose we have in our life, regardless of the little side stop-offs or how hard it's going to be, we can look to you for strength, and that's going to be great testimony when we get there. Lord, Father God, but today, right now, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of about to run the ship aground, Lord, Father God, I pray that we, right now, just let you have it. Work in this time, Lord, on their hearts. Let these altars be prayed. Let their hearts be prayer going up to you right now. Rejoice with those prayers going up. And if, if one, or Father God, one does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I ask that you open it so vividly, so, so, just, so great that you work in their life and they'll join in your family today. Lord, work in this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your son. Amen.